Hi everyone, welcome. This is Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm JJ Walsh based here in Hiroshima, Japan, and today I have the pleasure of talking with Jonathan Perugia in the UK. Thanks so much for joining, Jonathan. That's、oh, a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. Despite the time differences and everything, I was so drawn to your work because I really respect all the, all the appeal that you're creating for more sustainable and meaningful and ethical organizations. And I, I talked to a few marketers in the past, I've, I've interviewed over 400 people. And one of the things that really stood out to me was how. We need more good marketing and good appeal creation for things that really matter.、Mm, We can't、absolutely. just let all the great photos and all the videos and everything be made by the people that aren't doing the good stuff. So I,、yeah. I'm really happy I get to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's really great to, to be part of this and be part of what you're doing too, because,、um, you know, I think there, is, there are so many of us who are. Passionate about you know, creating a better world, and, 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 and the fr- so frustratingly that we have all the answers really、um, to all these big questions that we're facing, and we are faced with you know, a lot of lobbying power and a lot of money that is you know, a lot of vested interest. So it's just good, good to be part of this kind of movement of people who, who care and are doing something about it. Yeah, absolutely. It must, it must feel great to, to get this part of your career going where you are,、yeah. you are funding yourself, but you're also really helping get out the good messages, right? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, to be really honest,、um, yes, it feels great.、Uh, uh, but also feels sometimes it feels overwhelming and it feels,、uh, you, know, well, you know, looking at what's happening at COP and just thinking, Thinking, are we just you know are we just going around in circles and being bogged down and more bogged down? <clears throat> so、uh, I mean this is probably a good chance a good opportunity actually to 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 bring in something that I am involved with at the moment because、uh, <clears throat> so I was in Romania not so long ago and I was talking to a man who had spent his whole life in the forests um, um, <clears throat> he's a forester and a conservationist、um, and responsible for creating the policies that have Uh, <clears throat> preserved some of the some of Europe's last old growth、uh, beech forests in the north of Romania. And when he was with his son, 13 year old son, who was kind of shimming up trees and whittling stuff with his knife, and he just was talking about how you know his life work was really to, to preserve these forests for his son and, and future generations.、Um, and this is on his back, you know, his back, his doorstep.、Uh, and it just made when I came back to London,、um, it just made me think, what you know, what can I do that feels like something local, something <clears throat> to create a legacy for. For my son, who's this guy here, Nico. Oops, where is he? There he is.、Um, <clears throat> and so, just over the, just I live quite close to a river valley. It flows down into the Thames, and there's a big chunk of、uh, of industrial land, former industrial land, in the middle of a lot of green space. And currently, it's a depot for for a water company. And、uh, there's a community movement to to. To buy this land on behalf of the community, turn it into a nature reserve. Yeah, here it is. So it's the East London Waterworks Park. <clears throat> so the plan is to raise,、uh, raise money to turn this, as you can see here, this big lump of concrete into 
a place for wild swimming, for rewilding, for nature, for community workshops uh, that's accessible to all um, and uh, and free to access. Um, and we're we're doing really well. We've got <clears throat> we've raised four hundred and twenty thousand pounds nearly out of a five hundred thousand pound goal to um, as a kind of marker, as a sign of intent to buy the land. Um, and so it's a very exciting project to be involved in, and also feels like a small thing that I can do that uh, is, an, is a bit of an antidote to those feelings of overwhelm and climate anxiety and stuff that I think, you know, we all, we all feel sometimes, especially if we have kids. Um, that is, is so true. And I hear that so much, actually. Thanks for bringing that up. That it is, it is rewarding work and you're glad to do it, but it does have its overwhelming points too. Yeah. And you're like, why isn't, everybody thinking about this why yeah. why am i the only one but yeah. um yeah. you did the, for that project you're talking about you did this yeah. great portrait yeah, so, series yeah, of so a lot yes. of the activists right yes that's right so these are you know these are if you just scroll down a tiny little bit you'll see um so this, this picture of the picture with the rainbow that's where that's the actual site uh, next to the river and then um yeah, and then these are the portraits of people who've been involved with the campaign, local activists and campaigners. Um, this is Kate with her son, same age as Nico. Daniel, who's one of the designers. Abby, who's one of the founders. Um, and that's Scotland. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's so beautiful. And so it's, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about how you got started as a photographer and how that feeds in to your training a little bit yeah. later. Um, but it's just, it's so amazing to see this, this way that you, you bring out the story just through a picture. And that's, that's something that you're able to pass on to field workers as well, who really need to tell a story in a powerful way to get the support they need, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So basically, <clears throat> well, so two, there, there are two main things I do at the moment. <clears throat> one is, <clears throat> excuse me. One is uh, what I've been doing for thirty years, which is uh, making pictures and, and films um, that I kind of have, mostly have a documentary feel to them. They're not necessarily always documentary strictly documentary um but it's usually you know it's not really studio based it's about kind of telling stories about the work that organizations are doing about the people in those organizations and that can range from you know big un agencies to local small local charities to i do quite a lot of work for the national health service in the uk um i do work for the forest stewardship council which is um uh, and a bo the body that certifies uh, forests and timber producers and consumers um, as sustainable. Um, so I, that so that trip to Romania was with them, and uh, we have uh, we did a trip to Lithuania. In yeah, this is this is Lithuania actually. This is a forest reserve in in the middle of Lithuania. And next year we're doing a. Um, a video and still photography project that has an element of training and uh, and uh, helping. So we're doing a we're doing a story in Kenya about the process that community small smallholder foresters go through to become certified as FSC certified sustainable. Um, so it's a kind of jer their journey, and um, and so as part of that, we'll also be 
supporting the farmers to tell some of their own stories with, their, with just with their with their with their cameras. Um, and so the other thing that I do is I do trainings for um, organisations like UNICEF and Plan International and um, and small, uh, smaller social enterprises, mo mostly humanitarian, environmental. Well, yeah, pretty much all humanitarian, environmental organisations. And so, and the, the challenge that they had is that they have these great stories in the front, you know, these programs that are going on with great stories that are not the kind of thing that you're going to send a professional to do because they're maybe they're small scale or they're remote. Um, but within them, they have great little stories. So, um, um, actually, if you go to the if you go to the the other the other website, actually, the um, okay. the photography for field workers website is that it? No, yeah, the okay. other one, yeah. Um, so the um, yeah, so the so the challenge is that they have these great stories and they have <clears throat> uh, and 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 need need better ways to tell them. Um, so the idea of this course is to help non-photographers take better pictures and tell better stories with their, just with their phones. Um, so it's really a, it's a quick, simple uh, course that helps people understand the basics of composition and light, um, some simple tips around um, <clears throat> in doing interviews. It covers the ethics of, um, of uh, consent, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and and some and some basics on storytelling. And so the way this works is that I kind of do it as a hybrid. So it's a it's a standalone uh, online course, but that it also has. Uh, but I also deliver it live on Zoom or or, or in person. And so we mix up uh, live workshops and <clears throat> uh, and pre-recorded content. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's, you know, like we said, it's, it's so important to get the attention and to get the story out, but yeah. it's also really important to, as a way to get the funding. Yes. Well, exactly. Um, and yeah. So it, yeah. exactly. It's, you know, it's a, it's a comms thing and it's a fundraising thing. And, you know, the, the, the thing about the, you know, the program staff and uh, researchers and medics, you know, field workers covers a lot of different, a lot of different people. Um, but generally, especially with program staff, they are very often the, actually the best people to tell these stories because they are often local. They speak the language. They know these programs inside out. They know the communities they're working with inside out. Um, and what, but they're busy, you know, they have a lot going on and if they're running a, I said, say a breastfeeding workshop in rural Kenya, uh, then during that day, they've got 25,000 things to think about and trying to get them also asking them to take pictures can be really overwhelming and, and just feel like, oh, you know, but actually if, if you have a few really simple tools in your back pocket, uh, and the, you know, a, a smartphone that, that you know most people have now um you can you get in five minutes ten minutes you can set that time time aside you can take two, two you know one one action shot one view of of the of the scene and get one quote a little social media story or something that's really a fun you know a little bit of a fundraising asset or something for an annual report so it's just about kind of I don't know if empowering is the right word, but supporting um, people in the field who understand the importance of, of telling these stories 
and and are passionate about those stories because it's the work that they're doing day to day. And and, and that's also about celebrating them as well, actually. You know, just giving them some 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 uh, credit for the you know for the the, the, the daily work that they do, um, and supporting them in in, in in part of that kind of cycle of communications and fundraising that you know all organizations need to need to be on top of in order to fund those programs yeah i mean you've you have and i think the one that i saw on youtube that was really impactful was the brazilian uh indigenous mm. group in brazil and yeah. they shot some of the the film on their phones yeah and then put that together and that helped them protect their yes. forest yes. and really powerful yeah. you know the power of an image and them retelling a really sad story of one of the leaders being attacked and everything but how how do you make that that connection over zoom isn't that difficult like to make that connection because you on the website you talk about you really care you have to have that personal connection with people to make that kind of training work right yeah. you have to somehow make that personal connection isn't that difficult when you're so far away and talking to people who speak different languages mm -hmm. and different cultures do you have strategies for how to yeah well you know it is yes it's not ideal obviously we'd you know we'd all like to be in the same room but we are so used to now communicating like this um because we've had two years of having to do it um, during the pandemic, that it's very, very possible um, to create, you know, to create a vibe um, over Zoom to <clears throat> to use. I base it a lot on photographs, so um, I <clears throat> I ask people to talk about photographs, and, and so if so, if, uh, for example, recently I I, I did a, a, a quick workshop for an organisation called Just a Drop, who work with. Um, uh, health and sanitation and women's rights in uh, in the global south, and so I went to their I went to their Instagram and I took ten pictures, some of which the people in the room in the room the virtual room had taken, and then I say, well, what can you see? How does you know how is this picture working or not working? How could it be improved? And so people you know people are very vi visually literate these days. We're all taking pictures. We're all consuming photography you know, on a daily basis, lots of us. Um, and we're also used to pictures taken with phones now. Um, you know, they have a kind of an authenticity and a, and a, and a rawness that we're used to and that, that kind of feel, can feel right, especially for, you know, something like Instagram. Um, so I, I, that, that is a way in for people to, to start talking about things, to, is to realise that they know more than they would think they know. To realise that, oh, actually, yes, I can, you know, I can, I can read this image, and therefore I can take images like this, or I can improve my photography actually quite, quite quickly and quite simply. Um, so yeah, so that's one of the re one of the ways I do it is to is to kind of make it very very accessible and personal to them and to that organisation. Um, and then I also do a lot of one to ones. So, so we'll do a kind of we'll do a group workshop, and then into so let's say we do a I don't know a six week program, and we'll have three three Zoom calls. They'll uh, they'll they'll use some of the pre recorded content. 
then they'll do some they'll do some practical work. We use WhatsApp to share, to share the work, and then there's a bit of you know the bit of um, uh, interaction engagement within the group. And then also I'll have a I'll have um, one to one conversations with people as the course goes on. Um, so yesterday we were just I'm just wrapping up a, uh, a pilot. Uh, with Plan International, I did a session with um, Conrad in in Zimbabwe yesterday, um, and it was great because he was showing pictures. He was showing me pictures that he'd taken of livelihood programs, of a funeral that he'd been to, stuff about his family, and it was really. It's a really great way for, to 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 help people kind of put into practice the, the theoretical stuff is to look, you know, to show somebody, okay, you see this image, can you see, it's, you know, this is 11 o'clock in Zimbabwe, the sun's quite high, but this one you're taking, in, it's in the shade and look how different the light is. Look how, you know, there's, there's, bags of, there's bags under the eyes here because the sun's so strong and the sh there's shadows in their eyes. But if you get, but this one where they're in the shade, you see the light is quite soft. So the, so the course is about, it's it's, it's the, the the simplicity of create you know so, yeah so it's it's really about making simple the basics of composition to start with so things like light things like you know space and symmetry think uh, uh, but all with the the you know the fundamental question what is my story so if you have to start with the story and then you think about what you need to be in your frame and then the next question is what's in this frame and is it helping me to tell my story so if the lighting is you know if if somebody's squinting or there's a kid there's a kid jumping around in the background or there's a fire extinguisher or there's a big window behind them and they're and they're silhouetted or um or they're, you know, or you, you've slightly mistimed it and they're making a funny face or their eyes are closed or they're two people and they're, you know, if they are, they're really engaged because you've hit it at the right time or they, they look really bored because you've hit it at the wrong time. So it's about helping people understand light, timing, basics of composition. And so they've got a little toolbox that when they're in the, where, when they're in the field, they can, oh, they've got, they've got a little tool, kind of toolbox and they've also got two or th three or four simple shots that they need to get portrait general view something about something a, a doing shot a documentary style shot and then details um and then that kind of takes us into the the, the ethics of consent of representation of um things like you know if you're taking, if you're taking, if you're if you're working with vulnerable people, how do you tell their story without identifying them? Okay, what kind of ways can we use to do that? Um, ha <clears throat> uh, yeah, so um, thinking about that, the process of informed consent. How does that work? What do you need to do? Um, how can we get? How can we get? How how can we uh, work around situations when it's not possible? Um, etc. Yeah, there's there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Yeah. Um, to go through, and you, a lot of the courses you say you can train people up to a a decent level in four to six hours. Is that yeah? What usually happens, or do you need longer to get okay. them to learn and then go and try it and then come back? 
kind of thing? Yes. I mean, in in four to six hours, they can do the course. Okay. And within the course, there's everything they need to know. Um, do they, does that, does it always go straight in? No. Um, it's, you know, with all learning, it's a, it's a process of, you know, what, what often happens is people, they do, they'll do a lesson, they think, oh, they've got it, then they'll go out and do, they'll try it, and then they'll come back and go, hang on a second, you know, this happened and it didn't work and why not? And, and also, there's a lot of stuff around, it's, it's very interesting because the, the, the mood amongst most NGOs, most humanitarian organizations, is very, very uh, ethically aware and sensitive. And so quite often people need encouragement to step forward and to actually engage people because they, uh, there's a sense of feeling like, um, you know, the, 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 rightly, rightly that, you know, the, 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 the feeling of the wanting to protect people's, um, protect people's dignity and, uh, and do right by them is rightly really important. But actually sometimes, you know, very often in a, in a humanitarian, for example, in a humanitarian environment, uh, emergency situation, people really want to tell their story. And so it's about encouraging. So there's a there's, so there's whole thing in photography, that's what I'm getting to. There's a whole thing about like, will people mind, you know, like, am I, am I doing it right? Um, can, I, can I impose myself? And so part of the course, is actually about encouraging people to to experiment with their creativity, to push their comfort zones, to play with their own limiting beliefs and stories. You know, a lot of a lot of so I've done you know I've done training with people in, in all sorts of different uh, contexts, and very often people will come up and they'll say, "It's no, it's not very good, but can you have a look at this?" And so what they're doing is there's this there's this process there's this like story i'm not i'm not doing it right i should be doing it blah 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 blah. and so one of the things that i really encourage and it's a sort of thread that runs through the story or it runs through the the training is be nice to yourself be kind to yourself be um you know don't edit don't criticize just l- allow it to flow enjoy it be childlike be be experimental be you know t- what is it what does st- what does what does the what does life look like if you put the camera on the floor or if you stand on a bench and, and hold it up high like how does it change the feeling change the mood how can you be playful with it and experimental um so just encouraging people to you know f- i mean this kind of brings us brings us right right back to the beginning so um i discovered photography at a time in my life when i was a bit lost and uh, a friend of mine uh, took me to India 30 years ago. And um, <clears throat> the process of discovering photography, I had a camera that my mum had given me for my birthday, my 18th birthday, and he did too. And we took these rolls of Kodachrome and I fell in love with photography. And, but I also fell in love with yoga. And uh, we spent only a few days in an ashram. And the combination of the combination of um, falling in love with photography and also finding something that enabled me to um, to process my own emotions and uh, blockages and to kind of you know plug into 
something larger than myself um and then and then kind of and then explore my creativity and develop to you know these two things have go very hand in hand i think and uh, or for me they did and so that's the kind of root of my practice as a photographer but also the the, the work that my training um and the <clears throat> so the so the, so the way i started training um, was working with uh, marginalized young people in indonesia so i was doing um i was a news photographer in indonesia working for the ap and uh, there was, it was a time of great upheaval. There were lots of riots going on. And, and the, there'd be, uh, I was one in, in the middle of this riot one day outside, outside the parliament building in Jakarta. And uh, this, I felt this nudge in my, in my leg. And I looked down and there's a barefoot street kid dragging a bucket of rocks to give to students to throw at the police. And I was like, who are you? Like, like what's going on here? So then, and then I, you know, started to, to notice that, you know the the street kids were kind of mascots. They kind of they were they were they were <clears throat> they were politically engaged, uh, but they were also kind of like part of this sort of um, this movement of students and people who were kind of um, protesting against, protesting against government. And so they'd hang out with the, with, the, with the students and they'd get fed and they'd get you know run errands and earn money and all that kind of thing. So I started thinking, well, how what would it be like if they had a camera? Um, so I, I created these workshops for young, uh, for street kids um, and kids who were living on the, the local dump in Jakarta. And it was amazing, the work that they did. Um, because they, there's no filter. So once they got the basics of photography, and this is kind of, this, uh, this is another sort of key point about this whole thing, is that actually anybody can do it, pretty much. You know, anybody can take a take a good picture and tell a good story. Um, if 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 they're talking about something that's meaningful to them, they can they can do it. So <clears throat> with these with these young people, we were just talking. We we're just like, what are the stories that are important to you? And so, for some of it, would be, oh, you know, this is me playing football with my friends. This is me. This is my grandmother. You know, washing before evening prayers. And then uh, four or five of them did a whole series on poverty. Uh, which was just so powerful. Um, and because it was coming from them, the way they talked about the people they were photographing, the way they connected with them, the way they, um, they, they this, you know, without sentimentality, but with real uh, sincerity. Um, so it's a very, 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 very powerful project. And we ended up doing an exhibition of their work in the National Gallery of Indonesia and having it opened by, by, uh, by Ibu Megawati, who became president. Um, and it was incredible. And then so we went on, did a few projects like, like that. Did one in, the, in, um, in, in uh, Kalimantan, in Indonesian Borneo, with young people who'd been uh, involved or affected by some really nasty uh, ethnic conflict. And then we did it in Aceh with, uh, with young people who'd been separated from their families by conflict and the tsunami. Um, and so that was the kind of, that was the sort of, that, that, that element or the two elements really. One is like, how do we help people tell their stories? Help, I don't know if help's the right word, but how do we, you know, how do we, how do we hand over the tools um, for people to tell their own stories? And um, and how do we um, and how do we support them doing that? Um, and and then also the kind of 
element of personal development of creativity of of you know in my case spiritual growth actually um that comes when you find a way to create to express yourself creatively yeah <sighs> that's amazing what a great story like yeah uh, we had some great uh comments from penelope on youtube thanks for joining to penelope uh, she says, firm believer of pushing out of your comfort zone, but be kind to yourself. It will let you be kind with others. And then she talks about the shift to digital. Now, if you started in the 90s, you you must have. Yeah. What kind of cameras? Was it flip flones? And then it no, changed no, 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 no. It was, um, it, was, yeah. it was it was a $10 Fuji film cameras. So they had one. So they would go. They would go out. We'd give them a, you know, everyone got their own camera and they put their name on it and they get to keep the camera and they get a roll of film and they would, they would have a week to expose it. And then we would go around to the drop-in centers and places where they were hanging out, pick up the roll of film, develop it. And then when they came to the workshop, the next day, the next, for the next session, they would have a, you know, they'd have their envelope of pictures and they'd, you know, we'd lay them out all on the floor. And then we talk about, oh, this is great. You know, this is, this is the beginning of a story about whatever. You know, what's important about this for you? And we do lots of silly games running around in the classroom and playing, you know, playing silly games and, and kind of helping them to, you know, the, to create a, a space where their voices are important. Um, because for a lot of, a lot of their lives, they're, you know, they're, at, at best they're ignored. Um, so just to be in a space where, you know, this is your space. What do you want to do? What do you want to say? What's the, what's important to you? What kind of, stories pictures you want to take um and, and it worked really well actually with on film because then you've got these plastic you know the, the the actual the actual physical prints to look at um but with digital now i mean the the beauty of it is and i don't do it so much with um with young people these days uh although i do do work you know kind of more social uh, I do I do in-person workshops with recovering addicts and um, kind of some of the some local arts organizations around where I live in Hackney in, in East London um, but you know everyone's got a phone and and most you know everybody knows how to use it so there's the, the, the barrier to the barrier is very low um, and so you know there's a it's a different process also also you can see it immediately you can, immediately, you can immediately see the image and you can share it. So that, that gives it some, you can, it's a great way to learn because you can, you can see immediately, all oh, right, actually I've got that, you know, I need to, I just need to come a bit closer or there's a, oh, I didn't, I didn't notice that lamppost in the background or there's something coming out of the head. All I need to do is move. But also for portraits and stuff, you know, for the, for the field workers in the field to be able to say, hey, this is you, um, that you know you look great um can you just move a little bit here can you see that you know it's just a way to engage people and and to make the process a little bit less uh intimidating um yeah, yeah. that transition must have been amazing but it in in some ways it made it more difficult i'm sure moving away from print onto digital and in other ways like overwhelming because you can do a lot more but there's kind of too much you can do in that way um my brother was just visiting from the states and he's actually he grew up younger than me uh with only digital and now he's trying to go back to film yeah. because yeah. he's he's kind of overwhelmed and disillusioned by only digital 
and he wants to limit himself to taking only one snapshot a day yeah while he travels yeah and i thought well that you know you could do that with a smartphone but the temptation is take zillions right yeah I mean, I think it's I think it's a great exercise, and I you know I know quite a few people who who shoot film, and there's a craft to it, there's a physicality to it that's beautiful. But I have to say, for me, I, I love digital. You know, for me, the, the shift to digital was like ah, um, because I used to do a lot of I used to do travel photography, um, travel and documentary photography, where the lights changing all the time, you're going inside and outside, and you know, and I was changing, and I was having to like roll back the film and put it back in the canister and then put it back in the camera and cover the lens and it was really you know so to be able to just change the iso change the change the white balance and get get and get, get cracking uh is is huge huge of a huge benefit and also it's a bit more forgiving and i think especially for i think there's an element of for me is about that that is about like the story is the important thing and the technical parts of photography are really important don't get me wrong but there's a democratization that uh, in in digital and in phone in phone photography that yes it means we're overwhelmed with images and yes that all the you know all the all the negative things about social media that we know um and there's definitely a there's definitely a sort of cheapening of the medium and definitely rates have gone down that's for sure but when it comes to you know giving people access even even if it's something like you know being able to show somebody being able to show a, a contributor their picture and help them feel more relaxed um or helping people tell their own stories with their phones uh, for me i think that's that's a huge benefit yeah, that would put people at ease, definitely, if you can show them and say, is this okay? Uh, or can we do a little bit different angle? They they have more trust for you if they can see it yeah. right away, right? Yeah, yeah. And and that, that kind of like, I think also when people, you know, in t for, for, for the training thing, when people are learning, you want to get them like... <clears throat> You want to get them as quickly as possible to, oh, this is fun, rather than, uh, you know, shutter speeds and apertures and exposures. And that's why, you know, that's why the, the, the point and shoot Fuji cameras were brilliant, because there's no, there's no technical stuff to worry about. The flash is on or it's off, and you click the shutter. That's it. And obviously, it means some of the pictures are too dark and some of the pictures are overexposed. But that's, that's it's simple. And the, that's the great thing about film is you can... In, very quickly get people to be lying on the floor and getting really close and photographing, you know. I mean, maybe maybe in a minute we can do a little visual exercise meditation thing. So uh, just to kind of give you a kind of flavor of how of how it works, but it, about like helping people kind of just open their eyes to what's around them. Um, and, and the phone, because there's no barrier, the phone's a great way to do that. Do you want to do that now? Can we? That'd be a good timing. Yeah. All right, okay. So, Go ahead. All right, so well, I'll do it for you, and then if uh, for those who are watching or watching watching live or watching um, uh, in replay, they can they can try this as well. So <clears throat> the first thing is to just let's just take a deep breath, which is great for me actually because I've been gabbling for twenty five minutes, thirty minutes. 
So let's just take a nice deep breath and close our eyes. Breathe deep down into our belly and become aware of the sensation of your body in contact with the chair that you're sitting on or the bed you're lying on or the floor. Become aware of the contact of your feet on the ground. And then let's take a really nice long deep breath in, fill the lungs, fill the belly. Fill the chest, expand the lungs as much as you can, and then hold the breath. And exhale. All the way out. Push the air out with the diaphragm. Empty your lungs as much as you can. And then allow them to fill like a balloon again. Feel the belly expanding, the lungs, the chest, the upper chest, until they're completely full. Hold. And exhale. And feel as though you're almost like you're pouring your weight down into your feet. Completely exhale. And then one last inhale. Filling the lungs completely. And hold. And then let go and allow the breath to come back to its normal rhythm. But just notice any changes that you've experienced. And then in a minute, actually now, just with your eyes closed, just look around, just come, come into contact with, the, with your sense of sight. And so you might, you might see the red of your eyelids, you might have a window or a light and see some brightness and just kind of notice that. You know, you might see floaters on your eye, eyelids, I can. So just become really present with your sense of sight. What can you see even with your eyes closed? And then gradually allow the eyes to open. And just look around. What can you see? Allow your eye to wander, to be attracted by whatever it feels, whatever it finds attractive. No judgment. No editing. No self-criticism. Just notice. What shapes do you see? What colors do you see? You might see a very, you're probably sitting in a very familiar space. And maybe there are things that you haven't seen before, or noticed before, or patterns, colors, shapes. And this is a really, really simple exercise that you can do at any time that is a way to just drop into being really present. And that is a, a very powerful state to be in because it's a state that all our creativity comes from, state that <clears throat> where we're really in touch with ourselves, with our emotions.
and there it may be that as you're doing this emotions come up thoughts come up that's fine this is not about being completely uh completely focused it's about allowing what allowing what comes up and bringing ourselves back to mindful focus whenever we notice that we lost that we've lost our thread so try it next time you next time next time you're bored or you're on a train or you're sitting at you're at a bus stop or you're waiting at the beginning of a meeting and you're about to open your phone just stop take a couple of breaths and look around and be present and if you want to add just a little bit of self-love affirmation, you know, a little bit of gratitude, a bit of celebration, something, it's a couple of things you've done that week, done this week that, that deserve celebration. Even things like, you know, I got out of bed, I got bre had breakfast, I got the kids to school, you know, be kind. And this, so this is, okay, so we can come back to the chat now, but um, this is, you know, this is sort of like, it's the, the, how do you, how do I say it? It's like this sort of, this, the, the spiritual core of, of the training. And it's, it's subtle. It's not, obviously I'm not, I'm not kind of um, trying to get, uh, stressed out NGO workers to to do spiritual exercises on a on a train on a photography training, but that, that, that what I was saying before that you know really that that kind of self care, self nurturing, self compassion that <clears throat> that then radiates, and this kind of brings us all the way back to what we were saying before that you know that kind of like what we how we show up in the world, the things that are important, how we campaign for things, how we, um, how we connect to people. It's all ultimately about how we connect to ourselves. I think that's so important. I think even, even when you're doing good, you're working for a nonprofit, you know that you're doing the right work, you're helping people, but it's hard to focus on things besides your list, just like any other kind of job, right? Yeah. I got to get these things done. I got to go take some photos. We got to put it up on social media. It becomes all busy work yeah. and you lose that connection. Like you were saying, take a moment, mm -hmm. open your eyes, think about it. Just look for what you didn't notice before. Yeah. Be mindful. Yeah. It's really important for anybody. Yeah. And also, particularly actually for humanitarians, uh, you know, that element of self-care is really, it's really crucial because burnout for, for people, people working in human, uh, you know, in, in development and emergency relief is huge because it's a, you know, people are going in there with their, you know, with their hearts, their care, and they are often overworked and, um, you know, it, living in very intense, intense environments. And actually that, you know, the process of kind of self-care of <clears throat> being able to, of, of encouraging yourself to switch off, of having good rest, they're really important. Um, and also I think just generally we are, it's, it can be very easy to, to tick something off the to-do list that you're talking about and become, and then it's done. And, actually stopping and saying, you know, well done, 
you know, that's done. You know, whether that's with yourself or with the team, just to stop and celebrate and, and acknowledge is really important too. And that's part, you know, it's part of kind of the, a cycle of, of self-care that kind of allows us to say, to, to give ourselves credit for stuff that we've done. Um, and, and also, you know, for, for, to forgive ourselves for stuff that doesn't go quite right. You know, to, to, see the, to see the good in things that don't go quite right, to learn the lessons, to pick ourselves up from failure. Um, all really important. Yeah. I, speaking of things that you've done well, that you should be proud of, I love this series that um, you did with Zero Waste Case Study. So when, when you are the photographer, and of course you use your learnings when you apply it to your trainings, but how do you get people to be so relaxed and really show their, their true selves or their welcoming self or their honest self um, as you're taking photos? I just, I love this series that you've done. It's beautiful. Mm, thank you. Yeah, so this is, um, these are all local um, people in East London, not well, actually not all in East London, but people who are re upcycling, recycling. The original picture at the top is an amazing woman called Natalie Fee, Natalie Fay, who is a uh, an activist and uh, and a musician, a singer, and she wrote this brilliant book, How to Save the World for Free. Um, how do I? Well, I think it starts with us with. I think it starts with sincerity, actually, with kind of like, you know, your story is really important and I really want to help you tell it. Um, so this is, um, oh, I've forgotten her name. Anyway, she, you know, this is her house and she's create she's creating all this beautiful stuff that she, you know, that is, that she sells in markets. This is a workshop where people are learning how to, um, create mini, mini little gardens. And these are, you know, these are recycling and upcycling for sort of like um, uh, Christmas, Christmas market kind of thing. Um, so you can see kind of this is, there's a sort of um, an ele different ele visual elements. So details, portraits, sh pictures of people interacting. This is essentially what I teach, the, teach on the course. Um, there's another really nice story actually on the site. Uh, which is um, renewables on the Humber. If you go back one, if you go back one to the case studies. Okay. Um, so if you go up to the top. There, International Institute for Sustainable Development, just down, just, just below there, yeah, on the left. Okay. So this is a great story. This is um, so on the on the on the east coast of the UK. Um, there is a and this is actually a video, so I don't know if we can show that now. But I'll just to give you the background. On the east coast of the UK is uh, is historically um, on the North Sea and going up into the North Sea. Um, it's historically a fishing um, a fishing area and oil and gas. So it's where the where all the North Sea oil is, where Norway's oil fields are, and where the UK and Scotland's oil fields are. Oh, hang on, just just uh, yeah, great. Just just pause it for a second. I'll give you the actually. Oh, you can or you could just play it. Actually, it's only three minutes. I think it's got the it's got all the context there. 
should I should I play it and you can talk through and we'll oh, we'll fine, just yeah. listen to you. If you go full yeah. screen, if you go full screen, then we'll see all the images. All right. Yeah, it's basically the essential story. the essential the essential piece is that this is an area that's been deeply deeply into coal and coal and um, fossil fuels and is undergoing a transformation towards renewables. And people who were people who were um, working have been working historically. So this is a pub that it's called the Whalebone Inn. So it was originally a fishing pub, and that, then it was an oil and gas pub. And then these are um, these are wind turbines that are being built in a Siemens factory on the old coal dock in Hull. So, so the the skills that people learned. So that's the that's the um, that's the Humber Estuary, and this is the oh, the coal dock. So these are wind turbines. And then so it's so this is about the people the pe some of the people involved, um, and how. So his so this guy's forefathers were employed in the coal industry, so how kind of people are shifting towards renewables in terms of like reusing their skills. So this guy, um, this these are, these are those are wind turbines, the 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 um, the, the what do you call them the. Wind turbines, yeah, yes. I don't know. So, I don't, whatever, the, <laughs> the them, blade, yeah. the blade, there we go. The blades, yes, yes. Yeah, Thank it's you. amazing that they were able to, like, reuse a lot of the original facilities, but make yeah. it for a product that's sustainable and for the future. It's just a fantastic project. Yeah, um, and so it's, a, it's part of a whole kind of re... Um, repurposing of skills people um so this is a farmer who put up a wind turbine he, he bet the farm literally on this wind turbine and it's it turned out to be the uh to, to secure the family's future this is the last drop of oil that came out of northwest hutton oil field um and so jerry was uh you know he spent 30 years in oil and gas and now he's um He's he's advising on the largest wind farm, wind farm in um, in Europe, offshore wind farm. This is Jerry, with his granddaughter. Such a beautiful story, and so of course because you've done these projects yourself, you understand how to do an arc of a story uh, with photographs and videos. Um, that helps you inform and support the people doing nonprofit work around the world i'd imagine yeah yeah so i've been you know i've been doing this for 30 plus years now so um and with lots of you know lots of different lots of different kinds of um experience that all kind of work together so you know the, the travel photography i did was very much about being very very light on my feet and being very adaptable um, and then I did all this news and documentary stuff and stuff with the NGOs and big humanitarian organizations. Um, and then I did quite, I've done quite a lot of commercial work as well. So that helps me kind of understand the, you know, the, there's always a commercial element to, to everything. Well, not, not everything, but a lot of, you know, fundraising is essentially a commercial thing. Um, it is, is, it has a commercial element to it. So it's, it's useful to be able to understand 
the, the different angles that people people uh, work from. Yeah. So it's so important yeah. to have that the really good visual representation for people doing good yeah. uh, for the environment and for other people. It's amazing. Yeah. Is there anything you we haven't touched on yet that you wanted um, to talk about? Oh, actually, I suppose we could. Well, I suppose what we could do is the last little bit. Um, I've kind of covered these already, but it's probably worth recapping a few key tips. If you're, you know, if you are, if you have a project that you need to tell some stories about, here are some, you know, some key, some key tips. Um, so. The first thing is just what we is very much related to what we've just done with the um, with the meditation, which is really be present, um, really look and see and be observant and connect. When when you arrive in a place, look around, like walk around the whole room or the whole site. Just really see all the angles before you start. Um, don't edit or criticize yourself while you're shooting. Just allow it to flow. Um, and take the time to really connect with people. Um, find out how people are feeling about what they're doing, about you know the photo shoot you're about to, to to conduct. Obviously, there's a you know if you're if you're doing this in a for a uh, for an NGO, there's a there's a process of consent that's involved. That process can be a really nice conversation actually, where you where it's really about like what's important to you, like what you know how have you benefited from this program, or what are your challenges. Um, what's life like? You know, how can we how can we help more? Um, so really, kind of that that kind of connecting with with humility, um, and then with authority, which is which is to say that it's really useful for people to be to to be directed. If you're, for example, if you're doing a portrait, it's really helpful for somebody who's not who's feeling a bit nervous and a bit unsure. To be told where to stand, how to stand, to 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 be uh, that will help them actually put them put, help put them at ease, and then <clears throat> um, so then this is a really crucial bit, which is what is the story? Always start with what is the story. So if the story is we did a workshop with a bunch of people and they now know how to prune a rose bush. Okay, then you have to show. Let's say that let's say that happened. Ninety nine percent of that was in a was in a classroom, um, but you've got some rose bushes nearby. Show people pruning the rose bush. That is the story. Okay, if it's <clears throat> so so the story is the the bigger story about the program, but it's also what's the story about this? What's the story in the photograph that I want to be telling? Is it engagement? Is it connection? Okay, so if it is, if you need people to be connected, this is a great example. So you need, so there's a moment. There are lots of, when you're taking photographs. There are lots and lots of moments, and when you click the shutter, is what defines that story. So that this moment, the the father and the son kind of lean into each other, and their but their bodies are close and connected, and they're both focused on the um, on. On the writing, on his homework, and the grandfather is in the background, like looking at them. And there's all sorts going on. And there's a very complicated relationship going on this, in, uh, with this family, but um, that's beside the point. Um, but yeah, so it's really about 
if you need connection, then you need to hit the shutter when people are looking connected. And if you look, if you watch people, then you'll see that as they're talking, there'll be times when they like they they look like they're completely zoned out because they're looking up at looking up at the ceiling, or they or they scratch their nose or whatever. So it's what the so the the, the key part about thinking about the story is it helps you understand the kind of image that you need to take. And the last thing, the last little tip I would say is about the light. Follow the light, allow the light to guide you. So when you are, when you are, so this is, okay, so this is a, this is a way to kind of translate this in, a, in the short time I've got left and to make it really bite-sized is become aware of how the light is creating shape, color, texture, everything is about light. So if you, when, next time you are sitting in a bar or you're talking to your child uh, or you're, you're watching, to, what, you're sitting on the bus, look at how the light is touching people's faces. Look how the light is, look at, see, see the light, see how the light is bouncing off this little girl's eyes, with catch lights in her eyes. Look, look at how the light completely defines everything in a story and oh sorry not in a story but everything in an in an image and so this is a so the last so last one to, to the last way to do this is to take your phone and put it into selfie mode and just spin around and what you'll and you'll see how the light changes so let's say you've got a i've got a big i've got a big window there so the light is nice and soft on my face if i was to spin you around and paint, point the, the camera that way, I would be silhouetted against the against the light. And if I was, if I had the lights at ninety degrees, it would change. So it's just a really interesting way to become really uh, visually present and aware. Is to just start watching the light, and just to see how it see how it affects the the scene that you're looking at, and uh, particularly on faces. And if you want to know more. Do get in touch. Um, I can do one-to-ones and group workshops, and uh, you know, have an online course um, and all kinds of training. Um, and and obviously, I do the professional photography um, video as well. Um, and I, thank you. Yes, thank. Thank you. you so much. <laughs> I I love your tips, and I love talking about light. I am so enamored of your your photos. Are just gorgeous. Even this one of your kids' feet. It's just. It's so. It tells such a great story, and it it reflects the story that you're trying to tell in such a an easy to remember way for the viewer. And I think that that's the challenge, right? Yeah, well, thank you. It's it's lovely to you know. I really, really appreciate your kind words, and I really, really enjoyed being on here. Actually, so thank you. Awesome, and thank you so much for your comments, Penelope. Thank you, Penelope. Uh, yeah, really, so great. Thank you. Really so much. enjoyed this. Yeah, awesome. And uh, thanks everyone for joining. And Jonathan, really, thank you so much. And I hope that people who who are doing great work. But you just feel like you're not able to capture the stories to get the message across for the good work that you're doing. 
I really hope you will uh, connect with Jonathan. Yeah. Please reach out. I'm always he happy does, to have uh, whatever I can do. You can you can have a chat for free, and he'll give you some advice, sure. and Definitely. and hopefully you can make a great connection there. All right. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Thank Thanks, you everyone. so much. Bye, everyone. Bye. Have a great day. I show my tears to you, I'm stronger I drop the armor, now I'm bolder